0: Welcome back, comedy fans, to an all new comedy at the Carlson cast. Get more information and subscribe at CarlsonCast.com. Today's episode, we're very excited. It's our 122nd episode here, and we're welcoming Earl David Reed thrilled to have him today's episode is of course brought to you by sapori cafe and catering it's rochester's favorite spot for lunch and any of your catering needs find them on facebook and instagram at sapori rochester also of course three heads brewing are the makers of rochester's favorite beer remember do good things and always be kind now here's your host he's been wearing a mask in public since he was three and he's not gonna stop now it's Vinny paulino is, of course, brought to you by Cafe. Good
1: morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Comedy at the Carlson cast. My name is Vinny. I have the privilege of being your host today. And I got to tell you, it's an exciting weekend here at the Carlson. Any weekend that we are open and people are coming and enjoying the show is an exciting weekend. But this weekend in particular is exciting because we have a great friend of the club and a great friend of everyone in Rochester. He's beloved in this town. It's Earl David Reed. Hey, good to be back here. Dude, it's so good to see you. You know what? Last night we had a show here. It was
2: fantastic. And, and how long has it been since you've been on stage uh, from, uh, from the, with all this going on?
1: Well, realistically, by my performance, it seems like I've never been on stage before. But uh, <laughs> no, technically, good. it's
2: four months. Uh, so That's just like I was on stage before last night, June 6th. And the scariest thing is that layoff time. And before that, it was like t- two months. Scariest thing is the layoff time. It's really weird, too, because once you get up there, it kind of clicks back in. Um, you got to mess around with it a little bit and, uh, and, and hope that everything comes back to
1: you. You know, my problem is I went in, you know, I spent time rewatching old sets and just trying to remember my material. Right. And I'm like, boy, let's go muscle memory. I'm, I'm hoping some muscle memory kicks in here. And I am the wrong guy. To deal with muscles and general.
2: Well, well listen, I, I went with that last night, and it kind of worked out well. It, it's funny because I know for a while, you know, you guys were doing the uh, the show in the parking lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. We and did the, I was kind
2: of sweating that a little bit because I go from the kind of act I do, it you know, it being interactive, you know, well, unless
1: I'm going car to car. Let's backtrack for a second. You are one of the greatest crowd work comics I've ever seen in my life. Well, I appreciate that. You are. You're amazing at it. And it's not all you do. But it's a big part of what you do, and you do it at a very high level. So, like you're saying, to be out there on a stage in front of a bunch of cars, yeah, that ain't easy. Because what are you no. gonna do? Like, hey, buddy, there's a rough no. spot on your bumper. Like, well, what here's a do? here's
2: a here's a funny thing. Actually, it's pretty good. But here's uh, the funny thing is 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 the thing okay. that ruins the kind of performance I do is space. You know, in okay. other words, I can do a theater. I've done theaters. I've had a bunch of them before the theater thing became obsolete. Uh, and, and still able to work it. Because the way it's set up is I'm just working with the people that are in front of me. That's all you need, uh, even in a theater setting. But when you space it out, like outdoors, outdoors is usually the kiss of death or something like that, because you have to try to reel it all in. Outdoors
1: and, and comedy, people don't realize they don't mix, ever. Right. It's not a good thing. No, There's,
2: and you have people that wanna book these shows, they go, well, we have a thing in which it's gonna be great. It's gonna be outdoors, like they're doing you a favor. And, um, it, you know, you might as well just say you're going to do it without a mic.
1: Because one of the, it's,
2: just, it's one of those things where, you know, it's hard enough nowadays to keep people uh, focused performing indoors. Okay. You get outside. Not only have you got their phones. Now you got birds, you know, <laughs> a horn, everything that reacts to the outside, out, outdoors. You have to have some kind of reaction to it.
1: Well, that that's true. You have to very much be in the moment for that. But, you know, the other thing about it is when you're a person sitting there watching it outside, you're like, oh, oh, what a lovely day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not paying attention. Like, people don't realize that comedy is theater, mm-hmm. and presentation is very important. Right. I think that a lot of people who just want to do a fun comedy show and put something on, don't think about these things.
2: No, and the funny thing is, like, you could be doing outside, and all of a sudden, let's say, um, uh, you're, it's cloudy out, okay, and then you hear a small rumble of thunder, okay, the show's done. Everyone has focused on Gone. what that was, how long it's going to take before there's lightning, or if it's going to rain at all. And um, it's it's just it's just deadly. But the good thing about what Mark did is he, he actually thought outside the box, which most people were forced to do when all this happened. There are a lot of people that do shows that drive in theaters and stuff oh, yeah. like that now too. Yeah. And that's a pretty big deal. Well, can I can I cater to that? I probably can because I yeah. can adapt. So that's well, fine.
1: I was part of the um not going to – like this i was part of the brain trust on that one and when the idea came up it was one of those things like well why couldn't we do it and there was a lot of nerves and a lot of fear but you know we just had the right people came to the shows and it went out so well and that that's a big part of it too right it's people who love comedy right there's a difference between people casually standing around outside learning oh look a comedian versus people who came to see a show right exactly So, so there is a positive there but you know i think Well, let me ask you, in your opinion, what is the biggest mistake that people make when they book a comedian for a party or something like that? And they have it said, what's the biggest mistake they make? Oh, let me because I know what mine is off the top of my head. Well, I'm going uh, I'm going with table sections. For some reason, they always put a dance floor between the comedian and and
2: that. Well, that's the kiss of death right there. Usually I just come down and work the dance floor. You know, I'm there and I make the dance floor of the stage. Yeah. Cause most of the time they're gonna be sitting anyway. So you have to, that's the thing is space, like I said earlier is, is deadly to a comedy show. It's meant to come in and I'll even count a theater as being in close quarters, but it's meant to be around you. Yeah. You know, it's almost like watching magic sleight of hand, you know, and so it's, it has to be around you. It, all the space, they never help you out with the space. The other thing too is like, um, they believe you travel with your own sound system you know like like you know uh,
1: most of the what time is this a medicine show yeah
2: we didn't know you had that you're we gonna have to supply sound uh, we thought you traveled with it because most people's idea of this form of entertainment goes to bands they figure bands show up with their own guitars they don't have to get those the whole thing too but i yeah. said but i say so uh, uh well i say that okay that's fine but think of comedy as comedy itself if you're ever sitting there and you're watching comedy on tv or you know or been to a comedy show or any other comedy you've never sat there and thought wow that guy you know i can't believe you know you know that's seinfeld he bought his own equipment to do this to set it up and so it's like people don't understand that you know and right. they don't understand the, the pricing that comes with comedy either you know that's they, true. they never understand that one of the things the sources that i have is a thing called gig salad I don't know if you're ever on oh, it. Oh, I know
1: Gig salad. Okay,
2: I'm on it. I don't pay for a membership on it. I'm just there. Right. You know, but it has your info there. And you get
1: those silly little requests all yeah. the time from people like, could you come play my uncle's birthday party?
2: Well, and, and for me, listen, it's going to be on the 19th floor. That's too small, grade. not
1: too big. It depends on what the price is.
2: The price is on there. Yeah. And people will still contact you and say, listen, um, can you come out? And I wanted to have a, com- a comedian for two hours, and I'll pay you 50 bucks. And it's like, First of all, you, you don't want uh, uh, a two-hour con- – like I've said before on this show, c- c- watching comedies is like eating pancakes. First two pancakes, three pancakes, yay. After the third one, pancakes suck. You don't even want any more pancakes.
1: I don't think – I don't want to give away the business – but let's let's be honest. Part of the reason why there's more than one person on a comedy show, when you go to see a professional show, you're going to see the MC, you're going to see the feature, you're going to see the headliner, mm-hmm. is precisely that reason. Right. Is because people's attention spans don't yeah. go for it.
2: I don't understand how people do these uh, open mic nights. You know, we have a open mic night in Harrisburg, and it has. Um, they say, "Well, come in and sign up. You'll do that." And basically, they just want people to come in and do it. Well, they had a, a, a couple of nights where there are 32 people on there. Now, you're talking to, you're not, you're talking 32 people. You're not talking 32 Jim Nortons or 32 uh, Robert Kellys or, or, you know, or 32 Tom Greens or anything. You're not talking We're talking,
1: talking 32 Shoeless Joes, my producer, sitting <laughs> in the other <laughs> row, <laughs> Or
2: people that just want to try it. So out of those 32, they're not going to all be great. So what no. they need to do is have some kind of weeding out process. What they need to do is go, hey, listen, We got a comedy show, it's gonna happen uh, uh, tonight, we open mic night, first 10 people, whatever. And even 10's a lot of of, of mediocre people. But the basic, uh, the old thing is that that it's an off night for comedy, usually when they have an open mic night and the clubs are trying to get people in there to drink and and, and spend money on that. But that's the thing,
1: you know, it's a necessary evil. Open mics are a necessary evil because they're, when done well, they're a lot of fun and they're really good for comics. When done poorly, it is a nightmare for the venue, it's a nightmare for the people yeah. who are on stage, and it's even more so a nightmare for the people who are trying to sit there and watch it. Well,
2: and that's the thing, that's why I think they have to be kind of regulated and have some, somebody or some person that runs the place oversee it.
1: I'm gonna tell you, that's an unpopular opinion. Why is that unpopular? Well, because most people who are into, like in the early stages of comedy think that there is no wrong. Right. And that the stage time is the stage time and I need to get as much of it as I possibly can. Yeah, but I it, would argue that there is a very big difference between stage time and quality stage well, time. Well, that's what it is. The, the, the people get it
2: twisted. Here's the thing. Uh, I believe when it comes to open mic, you, even though it's open mic night, mm-hmm. it's not like a free for all, just like when back in the day when uh, they had Star Search on. Okay, they weren't pulling people off the street when I did Star Shirts, They didn't pull people off the street that just thought they were funny. They actually went to find people yeah. who could who are actually you funny. you
1: auditioned in front of professional producers. You auditioned. That, in front or of, they saw
2: you at a club and they yeah. thought you were funny. I think the open mic nighttime uh, has to be earned. You have to go up there and, and have somebody watch it and go, okay, that's that's nice. That needs to be organized. Organize it and then come back. That's a hot take, man. Yeah, uh, and, and then. Do it. See, you need to get you need to be good enough to do the open mic because the basic line is this: this club puts on quality shows. Quality shows. Why would everyone try to turn it into a turd, a week long of comedy a turd by having it a a, a, a raw amateur night on the open
1: mic night? Every so that night. has to be earned. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's one of those things where we're not trying to degrade anybody who's just getting into the business, but the fact of the matter is. When you first start doing comedy, would you agree with this statement? You don't realize how far you have to go.
2: Well, that's just it. And like you said earlier, it's a business. Oh yeah. you know I mean, listen, if you want to get up there and, and make yourself feel good, well you know, whatever you know you might have friends that come up and tell you you're you funny and everything else like that. I'm not discouraging anyone to I think probably try
1: it. eight out of ten stand-up performers would tell you don't do stand-up comedy to feel good. <laughs> well,
2: here's the funny thing about that too. It's like it's like first of all, everybody, here's the thing. People, when it comes to guys anyway, every guy, I can't speak for women because that wouldn't be right at this point, every guy thinks he has a sense of humor. He thinks he's funny. You could say something about his mother, his grandmother, he won't get upset with you. But if you go, dude, you're not funny, he'll fight you in the street. What is it about that? Well, no one wants to be known as the stuffy guy. No one wants to be the straight guy. Everyone wants to be the life of the party. That's the philosophy behind half of these knuckleheads that'll come out here and try to heckle you during the show. Because when they're not up there and they're with their friends, you're the life of the party. Now you're forced to come in and watch someone else that does what you think you can do better,
1: you know? And you know, I've been thinking a lot about that, actually. I had a conversation recently, and maybe, you, maybe we could discuss that a little bit. It's weird, because people who have that mentality is they have to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. They could go to the movies and make their comments and get the laughs out of their friends. Right. And they get very used to that mindset. It's like, hey, we're going out. I'm the fun guy. And something dumb happens in the movie. They mm-hmm. make a comment. Everybody laughs. It is the absolute wrong thing to do when you go to a stand-up y- Your <laughs> friends? are the
2: let me tell you something your friends are are the worst feedback if your friends say hey you should try comedy don't listen to them because here's what happens usually you say hey, we're going to try comedy right because everyone thinks you're the life of the party well i'm going down to the comedy at the carlson i'm going to jump on stage and i'm going to do an open mic i have five minutes he tells all his friends all 20 of his friends come down just say 20 guys who are basically sitting there waiting for their boy to get up there okay he goes up and, and gets on stage and kills in the realm of that twenty, yeah. Because he's talking about stuff that they know, you know. Hell, oh, you know. So I was sitting at the bar, whatever. They know the stories. They know they they, they understand what he's talking about, and he's talking to them. You go, oh, hey, I'm good. You come back maybe next week, two weeks later. Maybe only ten of your friends can show up at that right, time, right, right,
1: okay? right. Okay, and then
2: it goes down, it goes further. And then now you're you're left in front of people that don't know you, and then that's when everything sets in. That's will determine when you can leave where you are and go somewhere else, and it still works. That's one of the things that people go, wow, okay, then I might have some, uh, some distance on this. I might be able to get some distance out of it.
1: Well, everybody's got to start somewhere. right? And I don't want to be disparaging to people who do, are trying to start somewhere. Good on you. We're rooting for you. Good luck to you. Don't be stupid, mm-hmm. right? That's pretty much the, yeah. the thing. Just be respectful of the business is the greatest lesson that you could ever get, I well, think, in comedy. I
2: think so, but, and, and the funny thing about comedy is there's really, there's no rules. There are not any rules. In other words, it's like, um, you know, I could be sitting here talking to you and, you know, you opened up the show last night and I'm headlining the show. Yep. Someone comes in and sees you. They go, that guy's funny. We're going to stick him on whatever, whatever show. Boom, you come back here, Comedy at the Carlson. Now you're the big deal because there's no rules. Right. So I wouldn't discourage anybody. I say, take a chance at it, you know. But, but you know, I would think at this point, if I were going out to see uh, 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 something that I had to pay for, you know, like like comedy to pay for it, I think i would want to be able to get my money's worth out of it as a person watching it you know if i go to open mic night i have to go in with the knowledge of that well you know these are people that are new that are starting out but having said that going back to what originally was saying is the club owner has to say okay well that's fine but i want people to come back to the open mic night because they go well you know these guys are just starting out but they're they're pretty good you know um, you don't want a, a guy uh, up there that that's that's you know that doesn't organize it. Just because you're going up for the first time doesn't mean it has to be your first time. You know what I'm saying? You need sure. to have you have to prep. You you should know what you're going to do and that whole thing. I respect that.
1: If your if your game plan is I'm going by the seat of my pants, mm-hmm. maybe reevaluate.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, but like maybe I said, reevaluate. Well, that's the thing. A lot of people naturally believe they're funny and they go, "Well, I can get up there and just and just make people laugh," and it's funny. Like if if um you know, like if uh if I if if I'm on uh on a comedy club and I make people laugh, it's different. People coming into the comedy club go, "Why are we here?" But well, we're here to laugh. So their level of what they're gonna think is funny moves up a little bit. Yeah. Whereas if if um if I'm walking through the parking lot and I push the shopping cart into the the holder and it misses, I push it and misses, I can go. Oh well, that didn't turn out the way I thought it was. And people go, "Oh yeah," they think that's kind of funny. But right. that's the level they're looking on. That's parking yeah. lot humor right there. Yeah. But if you come in, your level of expectation naturally, without you not even knowing, it just moves up a notch. Sure. Because we're here, you know, we're here to to laugh. You're going for pizza. We're here to get a good pizza. Right. Guy's selling us pizza because he believes it's good enough for him to open up a business around this
1: pizza and sell it. See, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Like. Like, say, for example, we're talking about a steak here. Like, you know, comedy is the steak. You go to Ruth Chris, you know what you're expecting. You go to Applebee's, you know what you're expecting. And it's one of those things where people, like you said, put their hopes in. This is going to be a great thing because of where they go to. Mm -hmm. So... You know, when you go to an open mic, that's just somewhere that you know doesn't have a stage, doesn't have anything. It doesn't mean that the comics can't be funny. Right. It's just a different mentality of the audience exactly. versus walking into a comedy club. Well, when they walk into here, they the
2: expectations. It's just by the way the place looks. Yeah. Expectation is is high. Going back to like the the, the steak analogy, you go to uh, uh was it Chris um uh, was it Ruth, Ruth Chris Ruth yeah. Chris yeah. So you go there um and you know this is how the comedy club should be the comedy club should be like really don't care who's Mm -hmm. on the marquee i know that this club is good enough they're going to put on a great show yeah so it's nice when you have the fancy people come in and everything else like that that obviously draws people in because they recognize them yeah but it should be like the steakhouse you go to that steakhouse because you know you're going to get a good steak you don't even know give a rat's ass or a fuck who the chef is you don't even know
1: you and, know? and, you know, there's always the exception to the rule. There's, there are hole-in-the-wall hole in the, gra- hole in the wall places right. that make some of the best food you've ever had. Right. And those places are always busy, and they always build up a scene. But it's because of the quality. Right. And the quality is the most important thing. And that's why I'm really happy to work with you. Have we ever done a weekend together? I don't oh. think we have. I don't think we have. That's don't what I'm really have, excited no. about this weekend. Like I know I'm doing Tonight with you. It's a right. you-and-I two-man show tonight, and then tomorrow night, for those of you who don't know, this is a little exciting— I'm going to be in the Rickles room doing New Comic Night. So I'm going to be... Oh, wow. That's happening. It's so funny that we talked about this. New Comic Night is happening Saturday night in the Rickles. And one of our favorite, favorite club performers, Steve Wrigley, is coming to perform in the main room with you Mm -hmm. on Saturday. And that's going to be a lights-out show. So, folks, you can get your tickets now, carlsoncomedy.com, or call five eight five four comedy to get those. But you're going to want to get them. Tickets are limited this weekend because, obviously, we're in the world of Separation. Which is which is you know, it's like you know, it's like it's funny
2: because you go, Wow, this COVID, can it get worse? What the hell's gonna uh, uh, get rid of COVID and what's gonna take that out of headline? Well, good old-fashioned racism steps up <laughs> and becomes the number one on the chart every time it shows up. It don't matter when it was first started all the way up to the remix of, of racism. Yeah. It just takes over and and just, and and just takes over everything. That's why you got to go to the club. This is the last, last bastion of sanity to have some laughs. We'll laugh at ourselves. We'll laugh, you know. I mean, you know. Uh,
1: um, every ounce of me hopes that's not true, by the way. What's that? Every ounce of me hopes that that's not true, that stand-up is the last passion of Saturday well, because I, I know too many comedians. Well, you know,
2: it, I, I'll tell you what. It's like I don't know who could not – who cannot benefit from a good laugh now. Absolutely. I mean, look at look at the feed. Vinny, look at your Facebook feed. Um, if you could go back even – God, if you could look back at your feed back in, let's say, November compared to what was now. Yeah. You know, most of my people, I've gotten rid of people I because of all the bitching and molding. Yeah, they're arguing about <laughs> arguing about whether or not you should wear a mask and everything. Do you know that this is the difference <laughs> between uh, uh, people who are uh, inconvenienced compared to people who are oppressed? Right. Because people are confusing the uh, inconvenience with being oppressed. Correct. So, Black Lives Matter. Rally, whatever you want to believe on that, we'll never really get a good understanding of that because if you've never been in that position where you've been discriminated against or whatever, you're not going to get it. Yeah. You just you won't get it. It's the hardest. It's the hardest puzzle. To it's it's kind of like in baseball. When that catcher misses a third strike and the guy runs the first, he can stay there. Yeah. Don't know why. <laughs> it just <laughs> happens. And, it's and in the rule what? book somewhere. Yeah, it's it's there. And people, you know, no one ever said, hey, you can't do that. So it kind of goes on that way. But here's the problem with all that. In, in Harrisburg, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, yep. they had um, uh, a Black uh, Lives Matter rally. Um, a bunch of black people were walking there, and then they had uh, people that are uh, show up with guns. In case it got out of hand. Which I still don't know what the rule is on that. Sure. Um, I'm not a gun person here, here or there. I don't I don't give a. All I know about guns is what side I should be standing on it. So That's it. The side with the handle. The side without the hole is the part I should be on. That's all I know. Um, you know. And they were saying. Well it's not fair. We don't have a right to the Black Lives Matter. Then they had a rally two weeks ago. An anti-mask rally. Okay. A bunch of people showed up that we're against wearing the mask. We're losing our freedoms, this is not right. And I'm looking at the two and I go, let's see, would I be upset that I have to wear a mask or there's a good chance that when I'm out, uh, I don't know, uh, going out to the speedway, I might end up with a knee on my neck, you know? Um, you know, It's just weird how people see the their, their, their differences and things like that.
1: They so. always talk about America as being this great tapestry. Mm-hmm and you know the thing with tapestries are when you look at them from behind you have no idea how anything works and you go around and you see on the other side it's like this beautiful beautiful mural Mm -hmm. um I think we have just been ripped apart. I think we're just ripping that thing up. Nobody understands how anything works, and we're all looking at it from the wrong side, yeah, is what want, I think is going on. Now, hey,
2: if you want tapestry, look at the old Carol King album. That's the last one. There's a <laughs> reference for some really old people. I lost you millennial bastards. I, I,
1: I feel the earth moving, man.
2: I tell you what, it's so it's, it's just weird. So people go, uh, you know, black lives matter, and then you got people that go, well, all lives matter. Well, I get that. It's not, it's It's. A, here's the thing. I got friends that ride motorcycles and they all go, they all go, well, you know, watch out for motorcycles. Watch out for motorcycles. Well, it's the same thing. Watch out for motorcycles. Uh, doesn't mean screw you in the car. Fuck you on your bike. Yeah. It, yeah, doesn't, it doesn't mean it, that. You, uh, hey, you in a, on, on a, a run fuck you. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. It means, hey, listen, we're out there. Sometimes you don't remember our needs and pay attention. It's the same thing with this. Here's the problem. There's enough for everybody to make their statement. I give money to Children's Miracle Network. I'm not saying fuck St. Jude's, you know, <laughs> I'm not.
1: Well, it's about time someone did. You know? <laughs> yeah.
2: So, I mean, it, there's enough. Listen, there's enough. All of us. It's just, Hey, we don't like when this happens. You, you know, we, we matter. It's the same way with the motorcycles. Hey, we don't like when someone hits us or we're killed. We matter. It's the same thing. And if people look at it that way, in that aspect of it, they'll get a better understanding of it. So you, maybe you don't understand the movement, but you just have to respect it. I don't ride a motorcycle. I have no need to ride a motor- sure. motorcycle. I mean, if people say- Well, you say have three cars. One, what do you well, I need mean, to ride a motorcycle I, Like I said, it. listen, I'm, this far, I'm, I'm already a pretentious a-hole. I don't need anything else to add to the mix. Sure, you sure. You know, um, but- um, it, and that's what it is. So if people look at it that way, they have a better understanding. The problem is people don't even want to. People think that. People think that, groups of people that are doing it want something that they don't have. They want to take something from you. From you, mm-hmm. they don't. They don't understand what they're asking is something that's available for everybody. It's plentiful. Yeah. They think, well, what am I going to lose? Why do they get to say that and we can't say anything?
1: Sure. I feel like one of the main issues is people just don't understand what the status quo is because no, they well, don't deal the with it because they just don't deal with it in their daily lives. Mm. And when people who do deal with it in their daily lives and understand what the status quo is and deal with the BS with things, they realize things have to change. But if you never deal with the police, if you never deal with any type of um if you never deal with any type of discrimination and you never deal with these things, like you have no you just immediately in your brain, you say, well, I never had a problem. Right. And then you immediately dismiss. Right. And the fact is, that's the attitude. That's the problem. Well, and people the thing, are yeah, just I dismissive. Mean, it's the
2: understanding of it. I don't care if you haven't had the experience. Good for you. But at least go, well, that probably happens. I mean, uh, you know, there might be some people that cry foul, which is really weird because anytime anyone calls any kind of discrimination and it turns out to be false, then everybody's guilty. You know, um, you you know, uh, it's it's funny. This guy uh, in my Facebook feed was like, well, I don't know what the problem is. Uh, You know, if you just do what you're supposed to do, that's fine. Hey, look, uh, uh, Barack Obama and, 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 and Morgan Freeman, they made it. And I thought to myself, so those are the two people you're picking for the whole black race for Obama. First of all. Chadwick
1: Boseman has got it made. Yeah, what you yeah, to it's tell like,
2: me? well, that's what we're gonna do, you know? It's like, listen, if you want to talk about people that made it, you get Flavor Flav made it, sure, <laughs> you know. Sure. I mean, you know, he made it. I mean, look at all the people that. So, so it just sounds just really bad. People don't think, and I tell I tell you this before, and I always say it, this is why we don't get along as 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 black and white, because white people talk way too much, way too much. And black people talk too loud. Sure. (laughs) And you can't hear each other.
1: (laughs) Well, I feel like there's a segment of humanity where, like you said, like, let's just bring up like Jesse Smollett. Mm -hmm. That situation did not help anybody. And it never does. Right. It never helps anybody. But all it does is create something to be divisive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we could just turn down the noise in terms of all these Stupid things, and just listen to each other, like mm-hmm. you said. Maybe just find a way where we can. I don't know. I have no answers. I don't know if there is an answer. It's it's all. it's rough because it's like it it
2: it. it <laughs> I don't want to make. This, I'm only speaking from the black perspective, folks. Please don't kill me. But it's like like when you leave the house in the morning on your way over here,
1: about okay, two fast food restaurants. Okay,
2: you went. You came down. <laughs> you came this way. I. Right, um, and so what do you, have any concept or can you think maybe what you were thinking about on the way over?
1: Yeah. Okay. I was thinking, what am I going to talk to Earl about this? Morning? Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're thinking on the
2: way over. Yeah. Okay. But you never think that at some point, forget the police, forget right. the police, uh, uh, that you might, you know, might be pulled over and forget being pulled over that maybe you do something wrong or someone just sees you and they yell something out to you. Because of, of of what you look like, uh-huh. not even knowing you, you don't think that's going to happen, you know. I right. don't think you're going to have that. No one's going to go, yeah, whatever the the latest um, uh, white racial slur is. I don't even know what it is because uh, for you know, me, people just go. The, fatty. the black one's been at the top of the charts for years. It's just, um, it just, it just we've been up there so long. You guys got to come up with a
1: real. It's not honky. You got to work on that. I mean, honky sounds like a snack food. Are you saying that you guys like the Beatles of Racism? That's Just right. Top of the charts forever. <laughs> honkies
2: sound like a, a – by Nabisco. I'm gonna go to Wegman's and get me some honey, can you pick up some honkies? They're on sale, two for one.
1: <laughs> but it's like I'm but, not gonna lie, they sound good.
2: It, yeah, it sounds like this it sounds delicious. It's jelly filling. Yeah, exactly. So but but that's the thing. So when I leave the house, I even think about okay, what's gonna happen if I have to worry about, I have to, not worry, but I have to concentrate on what my reaction is going to be to the situation. Anything that happens is always, it's your reaction Mm -hmm. that either takes the situation
1: down or escalates it. And that's one of the interesting things about society that we're starting to realize, I think, a little bit more. Like, you could go down... Like, if you go to YouTube and you type in Karen, Mm -hmm. you can watch a whole lot of white people respond incredibly poorly to completely innocuous nothing situations. Right. And you could tell that there has never in their lives been a – there's never been a time in their lives where they think, how would I react when something bad goes like this? Right. And you're telling me that you think about this stuff all the time, and that, how you react well, it's, because it, of how things escalate. Right. And because I'm like,
2: listen, if, if someone, if if I'm at this club tonight and someone jumps up and yells the N-word, yeah. okay, what am I supposed to, not that it was, what am I supposed to jump off and fight that guy?
1: Okay. Have well, Mark kick him in the head.
2: Well, well here's, the, here's <laughs> the funny thing about it is, is, like if I I perform sometimes and and, and sometimes someone will make a racist remark, I'm never uncomfortable living. If I was an uncomfortable person, I wouldn't be standing up there on that stage. Right. Okay, I mean there's a whole comfort level in that. Okay, I don't feel offended by it because hey, those people came to see me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're coming yeah. in my house and insulting the people that are in the crowd. They're usually ones that feel uncomfortable. So my job at that point is to to cut to, to make them believe that I'm not uncomfortable because they're uncomfortable for me. And they think that guy is a jerk. A guy that yells something out like that believes in a numbers game. Yeah. He sits there and he goes, oh, look at all these white people. There's one black guy. They've got to be on my side if I yell something out. You know.
1: Um, I got to tell you, one of the most uncomfortable things in the world that I have realized, and it's a weird thing, and I, I can't believe I'm even going to bring this up on here, is you're not right? I'm wrong. not going to
2: dive over that desk and choke you, am I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait till you see my set tonight. Uh, no, there is this thing, it really makes me crazy, where you're exactly right, where one white guy will look at another white guy and say something like, hey, mm-hmm. so I went to a store. I was in a Walmart because I wanted to buy an electric toothbrush, mm-hmm. okay? I went to not the greatest Walmart in the world is what, the way people would describe it. They,
2: they, we have them like that all over the right. place, yeah. And
1: I'm standing in front of the case to get this electric toothbrush. hmm and I'm waiting a really, really long time. Another white dude walks up, and he's just like, "You waiting for two? You waiting to get in here?" I'm like, "Yeah." They called somebody for me. Whatever. He goes. He starts saying some kind of racist shit to me, like I was supposed to just jump on board, right. and just pile in with it. And I could not believe that someone would feel so freely to talk that way to a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. It blew my mind. It, it brought me back to that Eddie Murphy SNL sketch where he put the white face on and they went on the bus and like the black guy got off the bus and they were popping champagne and like, and I was just like, I can't believe this segment still exists. Well, because it's interesting you say that because, you know, it's like when, uh, and this was like two weeks ago, by right. the
2: way. When a black person walks by another black person, they always go, what's up? You know, they, For some yeah. reason. you know. But you have it the same way with white people. But you believe it's a little deeper than that. You guys act like your relatives. Where some guy to say that to you is just ridiculous. Yeah. Of course, you got to hand it to Walmart because Walmart knows what stores they believe they have to lock shit up. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody actually works for Walmart and goes, oh, listen, we're going to ride around the neighborhood. We're going to count, uh, I don't know, how many large homes are, how many dirty diapers are in the parking lot. We're going to count that, and we're going to actually figure out what to do. With. Because there's some guy that walks around and goes, well, oh, this Walmart is nice. I believe we don't need to have that much. And he walks to another Walmart and goes, oh, shit, we got to lock up the Similac. Lock it <laughs> up. Lock it up. <laughs> so, So, I mean, so there's obviously people who think this way all of the time yeah now in the, in the in the in the defense of the store they might consider it a theft thing and then they, that's why they even that's why you're even sure. waiting for an electric toothbrush sure. for god's sake
1: but it was just such a such an odd thing that yeah. i never really think about and it was just a, such a recent experience that it sticks out in my brain i looked at the guy and i just stared at him quietly i didn't i had my mask on i just kind of was like and I think he picked up the vibe of right. this guy's not going to entertain this conversation. Well, and, and,
2: but, and people truly believe that everyone's on the same page. Those people believe that sort of thing. That's why when you talk about, you know, uh, everyone getting along and everything, I go, it's almost impossible. When, look, look what happened. When, uh, we, everyone panicked when, uh, when, they, when they thought we needed to get toilet paper. Just like the guy running from home the the first because the catcher missed the ball, we still don't understand why people ran out and did that. Nope. And that was panic.
1: Complete (laughs) panic. It's panic. And I got to be honest with you, that was one of the strangest experiences of my adult life is just watching people hoard toilet paper. Like, how much do you use?
2: Well, you know, I saw in a store someone had um, uh, the 24 roll. You know, because if you go like to the like to the, the, the BJ's or the mm-hmm. Costco's or whatever they have. Here, sure. Yeah. You know, it comes in 24 rolls now yeah. and, and someone had two of those. Because they were going up there. Now, listen, on every given day, uh, virus or no virus, you're probably going to have to shit or use toilet paper in some capacity anyway. So it shouldn't be that much of an emergency. The sad thing is the toilet people know this. They go, listen, whether people are flying planes at the buildings, okay, or, 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 or your team wins the Super Bowl, people are going to need toilet to paper. Yep. So there's no shortage of it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, they're making it like like all the time. There's never you If you work at the you never
1: get a day off from the toilet paper uh, factory. Now, did you see any of the videos of the people like just buying truckloads of it? That was one of my favorites. There was a lady who had like a uh, like a big giant Ford F one hundred and fifty, mm-hmm. and she just had boxes yeah. of toilet paper that she was like going to resell.
2: And and, and and what who puts all that in? in... <laughs> it's it's so funny. I don't want to get to the cultural differences of it, but but it's. <laughs> Like, I did a thing on stage last night where I was like, well, listen, here's the problem. Black people, for the most part, we're a lot of things, but we don't panic. Right. You know, we don't panic. You guys ran out and a to toilet paper, but I guarantee you, Vinny, if you went to any store that was in a urban area they had plenty of toilet paper yeah and the when i couldn't find it where i up. was i went up on th- on third street which in harrisburg and i was like look at this all there and like we just walking by it they even know? have the wipes yeah <laughs> that and all this other stuff people are stocking up and everything else like that and as everything else everything goes into favor and then all of a sudden it doesn't become popular anymore people only want to wear the they don't give a shit about the wipes and everything all this kind of stuff now uh people don't uh, um Uh, you know, worry about the mask or arguing about the mask and stuff because you couldn't find those. I mean, man, you could go there and buy surgical gloves or those masks. You used to see those on the shelf and you'd go, how the hell do people in their homes even buy this stuff? Right. You know, Uh, but then it's all gone. And so we I think what we're learning here is everyone wants to be in charge of something, everyone wants to know everything. Everyone has to know, everyone has to have an opinion. Their opinion is right. You know, um, I, I gotta be honest, I don't know much about anything, how a virus are, how you, but I gotta talk, listen to the scientists and the, and the doctors mm-hmm. and and people who, I don't know, before this all happened, mm-hmm. worked in that division. You know, it's, you know, It's it's, it's dumb. Now people, are, well, you can't trust them, but well, we trusted them to this point. Well, we're And I know people are trying to make money, are these, are these medical people trying to make money because they have to make money and everything. But the scientists and the doctors and everything, we, we trust them. It's like, it's like, let's say this, forget the virus. Let's just say all of a sudden uh, your car was being taken over like maximum overdrive sure. with, uh, uh, what's his face? Emilio Estevez. Right, right. Okay. And, and, and instead of asking the expert, uh, you know, well, you know, I've been working on cars for 30 years. Now, fuck you. We're going to ask the baker
1: what he believes we should do. And that's the same thing now. It's the same thing. So let's pause for a second. Folks, if you want to join the conversation, feel free to text in 585-484-0265. Still tickets available to come see Earl tonight and tomorrow night. But um, I, I, I got to ask you something because it's, it's – your act is really amazing to watch in a lot of ways because of the, the crowd work. you mm-hmm. just sitting here talking with you. I could talk with you all day, Earl. We, we, and here, we had this
2: discussion before, absolutely. We could, we
1: could chat all day. How did you as a performer get to be so comfortable on stage? Like, How long did it take for you to get oh, to that point? Cool, oh, man. Because it's, it's so amazing to watch you work because, how do I put this? It's smooth. It's very smooth. You walk up. You don't you don't stand on the mic. You you kind of like sit back from it a little bit. Right. You 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 talk to the crowds throughout the entire set. And for a lot of comics, that's dangerous territory. Right. And you just go out and do it. How how did you get to the point where you were able to do that? It's
2: so weird because I... <sighs> You know, it's it's funny, I, and, and even if you're starting out or commenting everything like that, yeah. And please come to the show this weekend. If you're listening to us today, we're all over the place talking about a lot of stuff. I have a tendency to believe that when people listen to things like this, you have the comic on, they go, "Well, here, blah 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 blah." Give us yeah. give us a whole sample of everything. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. You come to the show tonight or tomorrow night. Yeah, that's it. We're having discussion here now. We jump in the, in there, we get a little funny in there. But here's the funny thing about that, and I always tell this to the people. You you know, when you feel like you're sitting somewhere. Like if you're sitting there and you're in this chair and someone says, Vinny, so-and-so can't get in town. Can you get up there and give me five minutes or 10 minutes? And you feel like, okay, you know, and you're comfortable when you feel like it's yourself. When you feel like it's a part of who you are, Mm -hmm. you know, I can go do a show right now. It feels like it's a part of who you are. Then that's when that's when it happens. Technically, and that's we are time. doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's it, it's and, and that's part of who you uh, uh, of who you are. And it's a comfort level. It's like, you know, my thing is like, well, how much you know, well, when do you want me to stop or how much time you want me to do? anyway? Well, and I said, well, listen, do me a favor. Like I said to the guy last night, just give me the light yeah. when you want me to stop. Because you have to make it like comedy has to become your own environment. That doesn't necessarily mean you've been doing it for a thousand years. It just means that it has to become a comfort level. Right. You know, I mean, uh, you, you know, um, I watched this show on TV once called called Botched. You ever see Botched?
1: We go all day on Botched. Okay. That show fascinates me.
2: And I watched that and, and, and they go, hmm, I don't know. And the comfort level they have, whether you like the show or not, I like the comfort level of they know exactly what to do, or the mistake the person met be- made before, sure. and things like that. And that's a comfort level of what they do, you know? And then they talk about how they You're leave. right,
1: they, they, they bring some woman has like her, her breast is like yeah. on her back. Yeah. And they're like, so uh, who did this, Jerry in the alley? yep and And he's like yeah "Yeah." and they have horrible
2: stories my dentist did my breast he well here's what we need to do we need to lift this up we have to put it behind the pocket and they know all that and that's a comfort level and that's the people you want to surround you with people that that are comfortable in my level for me it's like okay the hardest part for me is killing the time between the shows you know like we're doing all day long finding what to do till i have to go up there and, and 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 get it i'd rather just be able to fall asleep the whole time and then just go do the show but it's a comfort level of it and that's what it is when you you won't be good at it no matter what you write until you have a comfort level of it i was watching a clip the other day of of, of uh jimmy schubert shuby jimmy schubert that freaking guy that fucking guy <laughs> i was watching him and uh it was him dealing with he uh, was at the laugh factor i don't know which one it was him dealing with a, a heckler and uh, and I watched him deal with, with, with the heckler and um, and it, it started with him talking, having a deal with the heckler, warning the heckler, uh, and eventually they made the heckler get up and leave. But you don't see all this part, you just mm-hmm. see Jimmy on the stage. And that fucking guy was so professional. I actually had to send him a message out there and I was like, you know what? It wasn't a guy playing defense, it was a, it was just him being himself. Yeah. And by being himself, he got the audience back, which, well, by the way, it's not even fair to say because he never lost them. He took that situation and, 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 and and made it work to his benefit. That's what a, that's what a good comic does. Right. It's not like oh hey, whatever, like whatever, like that. It's like you know, and 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 the and the, and the comedian's like, yeah, well, well, fuck you, or whatever. You try to get back at him, try to make the guy look like an idiot. Jimmy was cool. He was just being himself. Yeah. And and uh, you, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, what I mean, it was just perfect. It was beautiful. He should run that clip again. They should take that clip and and run it for uh for people that are up and coming because sometimes your your return doesn't have to be a form of attack no most people are they're there to see you anyway you already have the advantage they're there to see you right. you've got the microphone you know this guy comes in with his half wit trying to, uh, to do what it was and it was just loud and what's the worst thing about heckling is this it's not even the guy hecklers it's the women heckler hmm. oh my goodness because Women, when they get loud and drunk, okay, believe nothing can happen to them. <laughs> they believe they're untouchable. Well, that's the Karen syndrome. Yeah, untouchable. A guy would be like, oh, you know, whatever, like that. But man, I had a woman one night, she made more noise than a busted chainsaw. She was like, oh, my goodness. I go, oh my God. And she goes, um, and, she, and I was like, oh, you know, can you be quiet? And she says, well, I'm just trying to share my per. I have a great personality. She says, "I said, uh, yeah, for for birth control. Other than that, <laughs> just get out. You know, and, and 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 it's like, and and that was my way. My way is not as cool as Jimmy's way, but it was cool. And he was, it was smooth. It was like he's going along, going along. A little glitch. We stayed smooth. Little glitch came back down, and it was, it was uh, perfect. That's a good comic. that's a guy that deals with it. but in the reality of it, you shouldn't even have to deal with that stuff. Come watch the show right. have a good time of the show. I promise like I'll, I'll entertain you um, I'll I'll talk to you whatever else like that. I, you know I I need your input. I don't need your help. <laughs> you know there's always the one guy out there and I was trying to, to, to help you and I'm like, well, you know, I've been looking at your wife and I'm trying to help you. So what do you know, I don't know. It just, it's one of those things where eventually to get back to the original question is you just—you do it so many times, you just become comfortable with it. And now, it's just its just who you are. So it's like we're having a conversation. I go up and have this same conversation. And by tw- uh, tweaking it around a little bit, almost a twerking, by tweaking it around a little bit, I could actually uh, make it uh, entertaining. So, okay. I mean, that's how that works.
1: Level with me here. When you hit the stage, how much of a game plan do you have? at this point in your career, because I know when you start, you have to sit there and plan out your jokes, your order and everything like that. But you seem to be the kind of guy where you're like, come what may, the audience, it's not fly by the seat of your pants. You obviously have great material and great jokes, but you have to have this leeway to react and to respond to the people that are there. right? Like, How do you kind of work that? Do you figure out, well, I'm going to start with this bit and see where it takes me and know where you're going to end? Do you have like multiple bits that you have and you know that you're gonna do a little crowd work between them? How do you mentally prepare? Well, the weird thing is, is I don't, it's funny. When I I go out
2: there initially, I think my thing is like, I try to see how they are. I, I, I wanna be able to go, I want to be out there without saying, "Hey, so how's everybody doing?" Everyone says that, yeah. and that's just—I'm—I'm I'm trying to figure out a better way not—and nobody not cares to, not to do and that. To no. be honest
1: with you, when a comedian asks you, "How's everybody doing?" that we don't care. We're no. just—we're looking for something funny. We—we
2: we don't care at all, you know. And that's what it is. So if I go out there and before I get into what I do, and I'm just being myself, we're like
1: insurance lawyers. We don't care. Right.
2: <laughs> I'm just being myself. <laughs> if I go and I'm just being myself, and they—and they react to how I'm just talking, you know, like I got up there and I go, this and I was like, well, let's just see how much of this I can remember sort of thing. And they're kind of, like, uh, you know, kind of feeling them out a little bit like, like, you know, like that. And I think it's a, it's a hard thing to, do. I don't have a, a, like, I don't, I don't say I'm going to start with this joke. I get up there and I kind of get a feeling of, of what it's like. I'm not a, I'm not a great, I'll tell you, I'm not a great joke writer at all. I'm a funny guy, okay, but I'm not a great joke writer any material I, I have to this point. It comes from years of doing it and stumble on it and coordinate it into something. Right. If I had to do a twenty-minute set, like and and just and uh, uh, just do straight twenty-minute set, you know, let's just say, fine, you know. Sure. But if I have to open up for like like uh, in in a theater and around for like I don't know, cooling a gang or somebody yeah. like, like that, you know, I can still do what I do because it's all a form of entertainment. And now that people just want to be entertained, you sure. know, and it can come in the form of you being a monologist. And and being able to to wow them like that, like a lot of people uh, uh can. Or or just being able to entertain a lot of people leave my show and they go, but that was great. Well, what did he do? What do you I I, I don't know. I don't know. I got um but from last night we were talking to the guy from the Dollar Tree right last night. Well, I got um uh people at um uh on my my Facebook and everything, at Earl David Reed on Twitter, at Earl David Reed on Instagram, follow me because uh Rochester, just follow me. Um and um it, it, so I, and, and then you get people that remember those little things that, that you do, but as far as the show is, they have no recollection of the show. So people go, "Well what we, we, what, 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 what kind of jokes he does?" Now, even if you have regular jokes, the worst thing right. is when someone tries to recreate it to tell somebody else, they'll definitely lose a but they go, "Well, he's just he's just funny. We had a great time,
1: you know was- And that, that, to me, is the greatest compliment you get after a show. Is they don't have to remember everything. They leave with that great, good impression and a feeling like they just had a blast. And well, that's the thing. You, yeah, you
2: want it, they want people to leave going, "That was funny. I had a good time." You know, um, like I said, I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not a great uh, comedy writer at all. There are tons of people out there that write better than I do. I'm a good performer. Sure, you know, and and I'm able to parlay it into something. You know, um, you have like these uh, comic uh, magicians. Mm-hmm. Okay, which a lot of people kind of frown on, or everything else like that. A lot you know. of them make
1: the comedy disappear,
2: right? And that, and, and, <laughs> and 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 they have they have the magic, and they have a couple of jokes here and there around the uh, the magic. Sure. Well, you know, if a guy's holding a, you know, bowling ball and an egg, and he says, uh, you know, and an apple, and he says, I'm going to juggle this and try to take a bite out of the apple and not the bowling ball. Well, <laughs> of course, you know, right? Um, and that's no disrespect to them because I I love magic i sure. love it i love Penn and teller i watch that all the time yeah. uh my but friend there's got to be you You really have to work hard yeah i mean so if you're up there by yourself and it's just you as a performer that's where it, it gets rough and i find it interesting that way because if you walk out on stage people go okay what's this guy gonna do mm-hmm. they don't see uh, uh an instrument set up they don't see uh box of stuff set up sure you know that they know you're going to go to that eventually. Right. Um, they go, okay. Well, here's a guy with just his mouth and his mind and a mic, the three M's, and he's going to entertain us. You know, and 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 so there's a lot to be said about that.
1: You know. Well, folks, you have the opportunity. Please be entertained four more times. Don't make me Carlson move here. <laughs> Because I move
2: here, I'll be on every weekend you sons of bitches. I'll come out here.
1: He could have this job. Oh, please. <laughs>
2: please, I can't. I can listen, I have no technical knowledge at
1: all. I'll just sit in the other room. You know? But listen everybody, this is uh this is a show you're going to want to see. You're going to have a really good time with Earl, I promise. I'm going to be there tonight. Steve regularly will be there tomorrow night. But uh you get your tickets now carlsoncomedy.com. Earl, I got to tell you, man. I really love having you on. And it's always good to see him. Well, you know chat.
2: I like being on, you're a fantastic, uh, fantastic dude from the day that I I met you. You're definitely uh, into this job that you're doing. Your comedy's good. It's like, you know, it's great. Rochester is a great, great city. This is um, interesting enough that um, uh, Mark opened this club. Mark put his, he puts his heart into this shit. And 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 every day and every week when the virus hit and they couldn't have a show, I could hear him, from my house from 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 here, the wheels turning in his head on how he was going to turn this around. And I and I hate to say this because I'm sitting here right now, but this could be, and at least in mine and and, and I can't even do what the other ones are. In my top one of my top five comedy clubs
1: in the country. Well, I certainly think that we're an innovative group of people over here. We're trying really hard to figure out you know, where things are changing and how to keep up with it. And we appreciate that compliment. We really do because we're trying hard, man.
2: And you leave town and you try to go to other places to see comedy club. They're not gonna be as good as this. Don't, don't get lazy and think, well, uh, whatever, whatever. Just come down and check it out. It's, it's good. My show's gonna be great. We're having a, a great time. I don't care if you're, if you're men, you're women, creditors, just <laughs> come down. And, uh, and we're going to have a good time. It's going to be really, uh, uh, really, really interesting.
1: Beautiful. Let's get after it. Now, folks, like I said, you can still get your tickets to come see Earl David Reed. We're going to get out of here for this morning, but we'll be back next week with Mateo Lane. And uh, here's a uh, just a uh, little message from our buddy Ross about all the shows that are coming up. And if you see somebody you want to see, jump in there and get your tickets now because there are there is limited seating right now. You're going to want to jump on getting those tickets in advance. So until next time, act right and wash your damn hands. Please
0: we've got some big shows coming up for you check out our schedule carlsoncomedy.com up first earl david reed will be here july 16th to the 18th followed by mateo lane who's going to be here july 23rd to the 25th then anthony rhodiak will be here on july 31st to the 1st of august then one night only Check him out rob campbell is going to be here on august 1st then our old friend Preacher Lawson, we love having him back August 13th and 14th, followed by Michelle Wolfe, another returning favorite, very popular, August 21st and 22nd. Then Rachel Feinstein, August 27th to the 29th. Jessica Kirsten will be here from September 10th to the 12th. Then delightfully unpredictable, Michael Rappaport will be here on September 17th to the 19th and a super team-up of Tom Green and Harlan Williams on September 25th and 26th. And of course, you know, Rob Schneider, August 8th to the 10th, he'll be here. The Sklar brothers will be joining us on October 16th and 17th. Dave Smith, one night only, Get your tickets August 24th. Are you excited about this lineup? yet? Yeah, Rochester's own Mike Danbury is going to be here from October 29th to the 31st. And Ryan Miller, November 5th to the 7th. Jay Moore, November 12th to the 14th. Another big name, Paulie Shore, November 15th. Look at all these names. It's amazing. Swiftwind himself, Adam Ray is gonna be here November 19th to the 21st. Then Pete Corielli, December 3rd to the 5th. How can you not love this lineup? Check out our schedule, at CarlsonComedy.com 5854 Comedy, and we will see you at a show.
1: Thank you for being awesome and watching another episode of the CarlsonCast. Don't forget we're streaming live on Facebook and YouTube every Friday morning. You could also follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at CarlsonCast. You can listen anytime on iTunes, Google Play, and we're now available on Spotify. You should also check out an amazing app called Laughable. We'll have you to connect to your favorite comedians in a way you never thought you could before. Download it in the App Store and visit carlsoncast.com for information on more shows. And don't be a jerk. Rate and review.